welcome to another episode of Dr. Me First. It's me, Dr. Freaking Aaron Wiseman, your colleague in medicine, your coach in life, HBIC, head badass in charge, here at Dr. Me First. And I am coming at you with part five of this series, How to Start a Super Crazy Business and Go PRN Clinically. And today has a special guest. So I'll introduce her, but before we get into this, I got to pay some bills. Panacea Financial provides banking for doctors because it was founded by doctors. They have nationwide loan checking and savings options specifically for doctors and doctors in training. Their specialized suite of financial products give medical students, residents, and practicing physicians better freedom and to forge their futures and at affordable rates. By reducing financial barriers and burdens, Panacea Financial ensures that all doctors have increased capacity to serve their patients and the population at large. Do you need a good home for your banking needs? If so, go to panaceafinancial.com. Again, that's panaceafinancial.com. It's in the show notes. And Panacea Financial is a division of Primus member FDIC. Hey there. We are on part five of how to start a crazy business, super crazy business, and go PR in clinically. And as I've been doing the series, I was like, you know what? Who would be the best person to come alongside me, rein in some of my crazy energy, and yet magnify it in this series? And so I could think of no other than the magnificent Dr. Dina George. She is here with us today. Hey, my name's Dina. I am a huge Aaron Wiseman fan. If she says anything, the answer is yes. Always. <laughs> I'm not even joking. Isn't it on Office where um, I think it was Jim whenever he said, if Dwight ever asks you to do anything, it's always yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly like that. I'm the assistant to the regional manager. <laughs> yes. Yes. I would love that. I will 100% take Michael Scott's place, the original manager. It's really a joy to be here because I firmly believe that clear and focused physicians change the world. And we practice the best in medicine when we practice on our own terms, meaning we know what we're walking into, that we have the confidence and the clarity, and that we also have other resources or we create other resources to support the rest of our life that we want to experience. And so it, it truly is a joy to be here today. I help physicians launch or grow a business with the only two things that I think we need, which are marketing and mindset. I love it. I love it. So you guys can see why I'm bringing her here today. What we're going to do is we're going to answer some questions that I've gotten recently by doing this series. And then Dina's going to drop some huge knowledge bombs on us on the five stumbling blocks that she sees that get physicians hung up when it comes to their businesses. And then we're going to banter a little bit about them. All right. So here's question number one, Dina. How do you get started? That's literally what the person emailed me. Like, of course, they gave me all the background about like what they're doing and trying to start a side hustle and like all the things. And they got two little kids and their spouse is a doctor as well. And da, 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 da. But essentially boiling the question down, it was like, how do you get started and where do you get started? So what would be your initial thought to that? The way you get started is to get started. And I, I, I love people who say that, but before somebody has ever started, it, like it doesn't have any meaning or context. In my mind, how do you get started? You start to visualize who you want to serve. 
and you get clear on who they are. What do they, what's the problem that they want to solve? Meaning the problem that they want to pay to solve. How do they feel about that problem and how can you help them? Is it a product? Is it a service? Just start there. Get them clear in your mind because then you know what your destination is and you build the pathway to that destination and you break it up in bite-sized pieces. And what would you say, because the specifics on this person is they want to jump into the coaching world. They've been following us as coaches for a while, seeing the use of it and that sort of thing. What would you say when they're like, well, but isn't there so many people who are already coaching? The space is filling up for sure. There are more physician coaches now than there were a year ago and definitely more than five years ago. But there are also so many humans to serve. And as a human, we struggle, right? Fear, doubt, uncertainty really shape our human experience. And so there are plenty of people to serve. And again, I'd go back to who do you want to serve? How do you want to serve them? What's the problem that they want to solve? And focus there. There's no need for comparison on what other people are doing. Yes, that's exactly. And so my email back to that person was exactly, except it was Aaron Wiseman style, not Dina George style, but essentially being like, there is room at the table for everyone because the people you are going to serve are not going to evidently resonate with me. And they're not going to resonate with the coach who's been coaching for 10 years. Like they need your voice. They need your perspective. They need your special sauce that you bring into the space. And if you can really clearly identify who your people are, it helps so much. And not so much like, you know, there was a lot of push, what was it, a couple of years ago by like having your like avatar, like nailed down and like naming it. I never really got into the exercise. I really think, and I tell people, who were you five years ago? Who were you three years ago? Who were you 10 years ago? Most likely, that's who you're going to serve because you've already like come through that experience. You're like, hey, 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 learn from the University of Hard Knocks. Don't do it my way. Let me show you and make it so much easier. And it's funny, you know, we never worry about having enough patience as a physician, right? We're like, there's plenty of people out there that I can help. Maybe they're not in this community. Maybe they're in that community, but I'm going to find them because I know I can help. And it's adopting that same mindset It's adapting that identity of service and applying it over into this new area that feels uncomfortable or clunky. Because I I hear so many people say, well, we didn't learn this in med school. And I'm like, nope, we didn't learn a lot of things in med school. But that's the great thing about entrepreneurship is you don't evidently need a degree or a certification to learn. You can just go learn it. You can just, like you said, just start and like decide and call yourself whatever you're becoming. Because we have so much expertise. We've worked with thousands of people by the time we're through residency. We have expertise on how to work with others, on how to assess or identify what it is that they need, on how to help them move from the place that they're at to a better place, whatever that better place is in their health journey. And all of that is applicable in any area of life. It's solving problems. And especially in business. I tell people all the time, If you can suture a wound, if you can deliver a baby, if you can manage diabetic DKA, like you can do business, you can do entrepreneurship. It's no more difficult than any of those things. You can start a podcast. You can do all of those things. And like you said, it's mindset. It's just being like, yep, this is what I'm going to do. So here's what you don't need. You don't need an extra degree. You don't need 10 certifications because nobody asks. Very few people ever ask where I went to medical school. 
nobody has asked what what was my percentile that I graduated in from medical school. They only want to know, can I help them? Am I competent? And can I help them? And it's just, I think it's the same way in business, don't you think? Has anybody asked you yet, like all of your coach trainings and all that yet? So only a couple have said, where did you train? And I think that was just of interest to them. But nobody said, are you ICF certified? I'm not. I don't plan to be. Yeah, me neither. So there you go. Like, And I think that's where we have to get out of the dichotomy thinking of like either you're board certified or you're not in business. You're like, you're in the in group or you're not. It's just like, no, you just show up and you just start doing. Right. So you don't need an MBA. You don't need a master's of anything. And again, unlikely that you need any extra certifications for whatever it is that you want to do. I love it. Makes it super cool. It does. And that that's where I think like the barrier to entry is so low. That's why so many people are becoming coaches or entrepreneurs starting side hustles because we all have kind of peeked our heads up and been like, oh, oh, I want to do that. I can do that. And it's like, yes, actually you can. I I love the saying I've been saying a lot right now. The only person you need to ask permission to is the one sitting in your chair right now. Just you. That's the only one. It's really true. And I don't know that there were many of us that went into medicine with the idea of owning a practice or owning an office building. I went to the military medical school. So my my opinion and my experience is definitely skewed. And you didn't have to have any of that knowledge or any of that desire at any point in your life. You can have it today. You can say, I can, I want to, I'm willing to, and grow those skills of what's the next step. That's all you need. What's the next step? See, I was totally different. I wanted to be Dr. Quinn medicine woman. So- now I'm Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman in my own coaching practice, <laughs> doing my whatever I want, showering at 1.30 in the afternoon, going and getting paid in pies and chicken. So let's get to our next question. So the next one somebody wrote in to me about was they are new in business. They've been listening to the podcast when I was talking about like growing your baby business after it's been born and like getting it bigger. And I was talking about networking and putting yourself out there. And this question was like, I don't feel good about this, but how do I put myself out there? Right. So it can feel like a pre-med student that's been invited to a national conference and you're standing up on the stage and wondering, what am I doing here? Because you haven't developed the identity yet. And that's why it feels so awkward. We have this established identity as a doctor. So we can walk up to somebody, say I'm a doctor and have something to talk about. We have confidence in our training and our skills and our practice. We don't have that yet in something new. And it's simply a matter of developing that by first saying it to yourself, just looking in the mirror. This is what I do. And hearing how awkward it is, feeling the palpitations that come along with it and continuing on to do that. And then it's it's sharing that with somebody you trust and letting it be awkward and uncomfortable so that you're reaffirming this new identity that you're creating. Business owner, coach, having your own medical practice having a different side gig. And then you talk with others and you continue to just branch out so that it becomes a natural piece of conversations. When somebody says, what are you up to these days? Develop this business that helps blah, blah, blah. And it just, there's an ease and a flow. Does it become comfortable? I think it becomes more comfortable with time. Does it ever a hundred percent be comfortable? Probably not because you're, as we continue to grow, we're reaching the next level. And each, each next level comes with discomfort. 
Yeah. I think that's so important to recognize that you're like getting a new label and sticking it on yourself as far as, and I mean, you can always keep that label as physician and always, you know, pull that out or whatever, but yeah, really challenging yourself. And I do this inside of the PCA mastermind is like, how many people this week have you told that you're a coach to? And it's amazing that sometimes we're, people aren't coming to us and we're not putting ourselves out there because we're just not claiming what it is that we're doing now because of fear, because of shame, because of all the like emotions and the thoughts that go into it. But you're right. Just sitting and doing some work and being like, I am a life coach. Hi, my name is Erin Weissman. I'm a life coach. I can help you. I remember I practiced that for three weeks straight <laughs> before it felt like it rolled off. Right. Because it's entirely different, right? To look at all we went through to become a doctor. We earned it, right? All the call, all the scut work, all the patients, everything that we did to call ourselves a doctor at the end. And even then, for some of us, it was uncomfortable those first few times to say, hey, I'm Dr. George, and not giggle. It's not like that as an entrepreneur. There's none of these markers. You don't take any tests. You don't get a title. There's no rite of passage. Right. You evolve yourself to be that person that says, I can help. And here's how. And here's what I see. Here's what I see is what you're struggling with, or I hear what you're saying. And again, just offering to help. It's a completely different setup when it comes to being an entrepreneur versus being a physician. I get the question too sometimes going on about putting yourself out there, especially with people who are new coaches and they're wanting to come join PCA, which is Physician Coaching Alliance to any listeners out there. It's my other thing that I do besides <laughs> doctor me first. But in Physician Coaching Alliance, I'll have people say, well, can I join? I don't have a website yet. And so they let that be like a limiting step. So talk a little bit about that. Like, do you have to have a website to put yourself out there and get clients? No. <laughs> I thought you would say that. Because I say the exact same thing. No, it's not a prereq to have to have a website or that you have to be on Facebook. You guys know I hate Facebook and I'm not on anything that shows up on Facebook is people on my team doing it. It's not me. I don't hang out there. And so it's like, it's not a prerequisite to be like super uber all over social media. Yeah. Here's what you need. You need a person with a problem that they want to solve, a product or service to help them solve that problem, and belief that you can. And that's it. And a way, a way can, to connect them with you. Yeah. That's all. That's all you need. Everything else is a bonus. Well, and it's just, it's just glitter. It's glitter on the poster board. That's all that it is to like sparkle it all up. But you're so right. You just have to have what it is that you offer. You have to offer it in some way, and then you have to have somebody on the reciprocating side to say, yes, I want that. I love In Chillpreneur by Denise Dunfield Thomas. Like Her breakdown on marketing is two things. Tell people what you know, offer to help them. I love that. Like I go back to it all the time because so many times we want to like convolute it and like we needed to be doing IG lives and I need to start a new podcast and I need to be sending out emails three times a week and da 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 It's like, no. The only requirements for marketing, tell people what you know and how you can help them and then offer to help them. Right. And it's through helping that you really learn more about the person you serve to be able to increase the capacity to serve others and establish your voice and then develop the intellectual property to support your clients or your patients in a 
in a larger way than you currently are. Yeah, your first clients are like the best experimental data study trial people you will ever have. I learned so much from, I remember I had a nurse that I was coaching that I had went to residency with. She was one of our office nurses. And she was like, yeah, definitely I'll coach with you. I learned so much on areas that were gaps, but because she was familiar to me and you know we were working through the coaching thing and me setting up the business, I know that even though I didn't charge her anything, like she got value and I got value out of that relationship that still even today I use, like my scheduler. Because when we were first starting together, it was like back and forth, back and forth texts. And I was like, this is stupid. I got to get something easier. And so I think it's important to look at that too, because so many times we want to gauge our success on like how much money we're making or how many clients we have, but that doesn't take into the whole equation of like, but what am I getting out of this experience? Because what you're getting now is like the basement that you're building your whole business on for the future. The learning comes in doing, not in thinking about doing. Mm, That's a quotable right there. Okay, last question that I got, and then we're going to jump over into your five stumbling box. Where are the clients? (laughs) I recently had somebody um, ask that. She gave a whole big list of like, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I'm posting, I'm I'm getting on podcasts. I'm speaking. I'm where are the clients? What would you tell her? They're everywhere. They truly are. So it's sending a message that invites others into conversation versus telling others what they need. And often that's what we do when we're first starting. We tell others what they need and then we offer to help them. And people don't like to be told what they need. People like to be told what is possible for their lives to somebody who's hurting every day, they would love to hear it's possible for you to wake up with less pain. It's possible for you to get back outside and walk around. It's possible for you to go to the park with your family. And that sets the stage of, and I can help you do that. Absolutely. I'm writing that down because I'm developing an email sequence right now for June. And I'm like, oh my God, that's what I need to write it around. Like what is possible? (laughs) Thank you, Dina. I will rewrite that email series now because I've been blocked on it. But it's so true. Like, we don't want to be told what to do and what not to do. We want to see what it is that we want, need, and desire, and then be like, that's it. That's the thing. Even if it's like a crazy sparkly purse on the shelf, it's like, yep, that's it. That's what I want right there. Or some cheetah slip-on shoes. Yep. Give me some of those. Instead of being told why we need it. And and I think sometimes people who are new too, they're trying so hard when in reality, you just got to say what you got to say. You don't have to church it up. Don't try to like speak expert level. Just say what you need to say. Right. So clients are everywhere because we all have this human brain and we get stuck. And especially as high achievers, we spin around and around and we wonder why we're not getting anywhere and we're doing lots of things, but really we're stuck. So my encouragement is to step back, focus on the person you serve. What is it that they want to solve and how can you help them do that? And send them the, send anytime that you're speaking, it's always speaking about the transformation that is possible and available and how you help in that process. So if you hear somebody who says, I want to get married in the future and I'm not even dating anybody, you're thinking about how can I help? What's the mindset behind this? If you're a general life coach, can you help? Absolutely, right? Because it's a mindset issue. It's not a strategy issue. 
Or even if you, you're a products-based business, like thinking about the person's prod- problem, like I want to feel and look better. You know, you can do that a hundred different ways with a thousand different products. So I love that. All right, let's get to your stumbling blocks because you shared one with me, but then I made her stop telling them to me so you guys could get my real reaction to each one of these. Do you want to start with that same one first or do you want do you want to be surprised? Yeah, go ahead and note that one. The one I already know. Yeah, let's do that one. The five stumbling blocks refer to what we either need to unlearn as physicians to become entrepreneurs or we need to learn to adapt because these will hold us back every time. And these are the most common things that I see in working with clients. Number one, trying to speak to everyone. So true. Yeah, because you're watering down your message. I know as a family medicine doc, cradle to grave, like we did it all, circumcisions all the way down to nursing home hospice visits and everything in between. But you're so right. If you take that into your business, your message is going to be watered down. You're not going to serve anybody because anybody who listens to you is going to be a little bit confused on like, "Mm, what do you do again? How can you help me? And confusion leads to an automatic no and a let's end the conversation because uh, I'm really not interested. So when I think about it, I think about like if somebody had a vegan gluten-free snack bar and they tried to to market it to every human, could every human eat this vegan gluten-free snack bar? Sure. Does every human want it? No. So it's really focusing on those who want a vegan snack bar, a gluten-free snack bar, or both. And then you're able to talk about the benefits and you're able to speak to what it is that they want and how it's going to help them and maybe how it'll improve their energy and why it's different than the other snack bars that are available. So it's focusing the message on who you serve. You're not neglecting everybody else. All humans are welcome to listen, but you're really focusing on those who are already have an interest in learning more. Yeah, because you also then saving your time and energy on people who are automatic no's. So Mr. Wiseman, no interest in vegan, gluten-free anything, even though I'm now gluten-free, but I sneak it in on him. He doesn't know. I hope he doesn't listen to this, but it saves your energy when, if you're trying to talk to everyone, the no's get overwhelming and it's very hard when you first start out. So like, let's make it easy. Let's make it super easy. Let's cross out a good chunk of the people who have absolutely zero interest. May they come around someday? Yeah, when you're a big deal and they see your commercials, they'll be like, absolutely, I wanna try that now because I heard about it seven years ago. But for the right now, use your precious time and energy on the people who are tuned into that. Right, so what what happens is, as you're, as you're describing, is that we become defensive hearing about the nose, hearing the criticisms of the product, hearing why it won't work, we become defensive and we start getting in defensive energy. And you know who's turned off? The people we can help, the people we can serve. They're totally turned off by defensive energy or convincing energy. They just want to hear why it applies to them, and how it can help them. All right. I love that one. Not to take care of everyone else or everyone. All right. Tell me number two. Judgment. Oh, tell me more. Judgment. We I, I often wonder how it is that we made it through medical school and through residency with the amount of internal judgment that we have. So those million hours of training that helped us help us create the judgment-free environment for our patients, none of it took away our own internal judgment. 
we are so critical of ourselves. Often we're saying that was stupid, that was lame, it's never going to work. I don't know what I was thinking. I'm going to disappoint my family. We're going to go bankrupt if I try to open a business. I mean, we've got so much chatter going on. My kids are going to have to eat cat food. This is never going to work. Yeah. You know what I think it is? Because I've thought long and hard about this. I think we are so focused in on diagnostic criteria and assessment that we then reflect that in on ourselves, And we're so nitpicky and mean. And there's there's nothing to check it. Like on the outside, you at least had attendings when you were in training to be like, eh, you know, it's it's fine. No worries. We'll get a CBC now or or whatever to give you a little grace. But when it's on your internal environment, it's almost like a malignant growth that just keeps eating away and eating away and eating. And if you're not conscious of it, oh my God, I have to tell you this. So I was doing a group coaching about a month ago. And we were talking about this exact thing, like our inner thoughts and the judgment, call it inner critic or whatever you want to call it. And the group of people, I was like, okay, rate it zero to 10. Zero is like the sweetest, nicest, never say a negative thing to yourself. 10 is the things you would not even utter outside of outside in the outside world. They're that bad. What are your thoughts? The group was like five, four, six. So I gave them the homework assignment that for until the next time we met, they had to write down those inner thoughts that they had when they would catch them, you know, kind of like a butterfly in the breeze. Like if you could get a hold of it, then you would write it down. They came back and they were like, I didn't even know. I didn't even know how mean that mean girl is in my head. And they were all like nine and 10, nine and 10, 11, because it's like that awareness piece that we think like, oh, that's normal. That's what pushes me to succeed. But it's like, no, if that's the elevator music in your head day after day, hour after hour, of course you feel like shit. You're getting the shit beat out of you every single day. Right. So it goes back to that question. How do I put myself out there? When the internal narrative is, this is, I I don't have anything to say. I'm not any different than any coach around me. This isn't working. Why was I so stupid to think I could do this? Of course you don't want to put yourself out there ever. It's easier to go home, be quiet, and just wonder where are all the clients. All right, hit me with stumbling block number three. Judgment's best friend. What would you guess? Shame. They go. Ooh, that's a really good one. I'm thinking comparison. Okay. Yeah, I could see where that would be a best friend. Because one of the first things we do is we go and we look at who's doing it, who's doing it, and how far are they, and why am I already behind? I can't believe it. Yes. That I always tell people, don't compare your beginnings to somebody else's middles. Like there's there's no comparison at this point. But that's the first thing people do. They jump on the internet, they Google physician coach, and they see like the happy MD pop up. They see like Sonny Smith. I don't know. Maybe I'm up there. I don't. I couldn't even tell you at this point. I don't don't look. But yeah, they jump on there like, oh my god, I am never going to be able to catch up to that. Right. So. You you see, and there are some amazing physicians doing amazing things with multi-million dollar businesses. Fantastic. They didn't get there overnight. They got there through a lot of doubt, uncertainty, and fear and moving forward and working on their mindset, expanding their network, developing relationships, and taking one step at a time. So comparison, we always lose. We either lose because we rate ourselves as lower than whoever we're comparing ourselves to, or we lose because even though we may rate ourselves as higher, we're not focused on the person we serve. 
So we've completely lost. Who cares what somebody else is doing? Care about the person you can help, the problem they want to solve, and your product or service and making it better. It's so true. It is. Because like that's like losing focus. It's like getting out of your own lane. Lord knows my lane is like down some dirt trail and around a stream and everybody else is still on the track. And I'm like out in the woods back behind. But that's what makes it, that's what makes me unique. That's what makes anybody who's listening to that is like staying in your own lane helps you clarify who you serve, how you serve them, how you can show up and give your absolute best by taking care of yourself, taking care of your team and the people around you. Totally. So I think judgment always opens the door to comparison. And I think it works the other way around. And what I would say if we made a math equation out of it is that judgment times comparison equals shame. Mm. And shame is what keeps us isolated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because going back to Brene's work, like with shame, that makes it an identity. Like, I am bad. I am behind. I suck at this. Rather than saying, like you're saying, like instead of sitting in comparison and judgment, which really multiplies it does into shame, it's like being vulnerable and saying like, I'm here. I'm the new kid on the block. How are you guys? Exactly. I hear a lot from physicians. So we're high achievers by nature. And what I hear is, who am I to want this? Mm. Who am I to want this? I have a good life. Why do I want it? Why can't I just appreciate it? Why can't that be enough? Oh, I love that. I, I, I get that too. Like people who want to make a job transition, they're like, why can't I just be happy? I make a lot of money. I paid for my kids 529s. Like, why can't I be happy? And I think it's because enoughness comes from within. You will never have enough if you're looking at dollars in the bank or retirement accounts or rewards on the wall, because that's not where it truly comes from. For sure. I don't know many people that went into medicine to become a physician to then leave medicine or change the identity. So that's part of the identity shift is to acknowledge that it doesn't matter how many years you spent in medicine. It doesn't matter how many hundreds of thousand dollars you spent to become a doctor. You can still want a different career, either to leave medicine entirely, to shift the balance between medicine and whatever it is that you're developing, or to stay in medicine and change your relationship with it so that you truly thrive. Mm -hmm. So it's granting yourself that, that freedom to pivot and shift and change your identity. And to say you've changed. Life has changed. Your, your brain has changed. And that's absolutely okay. But you're right. When we get stuck in that, then we get all judgy and we get all comparison-y and then we have lots of shame. And then it's, then it's a just stinking spiral from there. All right. Number four, what's the stumbling block? Hustling. Oh, you know, I love that. Oh my God. I just recorded a bunch of episodes for this summer about the lies that hustle culture feeds us. Right. And it's every month or every year we are asked to do more in medicine and we hustle more to get it done. So we accept it. Okay. I must have to do it. And we hustle. And we make cuts. Maybe we cut our free time. We cut our lunch time to accommodate more. And we hustle and hustle and hustle. And at some point, we flop over on our face and just go, I don't have anything else to give. No, because you burned out. Like literally like an engine, you got nothing left in you to give. You know, and I think that's, like I said, literally just recording a bunch of podcasts on that. 
one of the lies I was talking about is like, if I work hard now, it'll be better later. And it's a total lie. It's a total lie. There's no guarantee that you grinding today is going to be a direct result of how you feel tomorrow and that it'll be better. Yeah. So more is not better when it comes to being an entrepreneur. And in fact, more is probably worse because it means there's more to manage and less thought that goes into it. So as a physician, it's slowing down, getting focused on the person you serve, the problem they want to solve, your product or service to help them solve that and communicating it to them in a way that invites them to a new experience for their life. I think that's perfect. And the way that I would say it is less is more. So instead of like question number three, where do I get all the clients even though I'm doing everything? I would tell them to stop doing everything and do one thing. One thing that lights your heart on fire, that communicates how you help and can be delivered to your potential clients on the other end. And for me, that's been podcasting. I stinking love podcasting. And I think you know that when you listen to my podcast, like it just oozes through your speaker systems. And and I don't do all the things. I don't do social media. I have somebody who does that for me. I don't write all the emails. I might give them some ideas, but I have a copywriter. And it's getting really, really clear, like you said, because as you do more things, you divert your energy, your creativity, and your time, and you're watering it all down. So if you want to be more effective in business, you actually have to do less. And that is so scary as doctors because we don't trust ourselves. Because we've always learned, like, if you're unsure, order more tests, consult more specialists, like, keep digging, keep, like, throwing things out. And what I really have seen is when you slow down and you do less, you do better work, your message is so much more clear, and the people who are your people, oh, it's like a magnet effect. They're like, they just want so much more. Yeah, for sure. So my favorite is Instagram. Mm -hmm. That's where I focus my message or focus in sharing the message. And I may cross post to other things, but I really enjoy Instagram. I like reading others' posts. I like contributing there. It's a lot of fun. So it's a, that's the one that I would choose rather than trying to be everywhere at the same time. And there's nothing wrong with cross posting. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. if you follow me for half a second, you'll know I repurpose and cross post everything. <laughs> because... Not the same people sit on Instagram that sit on LinkedIn or sit on Facebook or sit on Twitter or sit anywhere, you know, and that I want to tell anybody who's listening, who's starting a business is absolutely acceptable. You're not cutting any corners. In fact, you're doing what we're telling you to do, which is less is more. You're not diluting your message because it's the same thing that's going out. People get really clear about like, oh, Aaron's the burnout coach. That's what she does. And here's a plug for PCA, Physician Coaching Alliance. Erin teaches this in the community. So she encourages, she inspires, she teaches, she works on, she helps with mindset and she helps with strategies too, so that people can focus in their zone of genius and look at all the ways that we delude ourselves and stop doing that. I appreciate the plug. I really do. Thank you, friend. So if you're a coach, if you're thinking about becoming a coach, if you're in coach training, PCA really is the place to be because of the community that's doing hard things and supporting each other along the way. And Erin is the leader for that. HBIC, head badass in charge. That's what I call myself. (laughs)
You know, and and that, uh, let's talk about PCA just for a second, and then we'll get to your fifth stumbling block. You know, PCA really came out of when I had these exact questions. And I was really seeing like the entrepreneurial space, like the junior high cafeteria. And I was seeing people sit at this table and people sit at that table. And I was like, I don't want to do junior high again. Can we just all like get along, collaborate, learn from each other rather than be super clicky? And that's been the amazing thing with PCA is what I've realized is like, oh, I can't do business coaching because I've been in business and I coach. And if anything, I just am super transparent of like, this is what's worked for me. This is what's not worked for me. And just sharing that. And I think that's what's made the space so open is other people then feel like, oh, well, I can tell what's worked for me and what's not worked for me. And then together as a collective, knowing that I don't have anybody's answers. Like I can't 100% tell you this is the exact strategy you need. And then at the end of it, you're going to make a million dollars. But what I can do is at least put tools in your hands and question your mindset and maybe give it a little kick in the ass to be like, hey, hey, come on now. We know the only way forward is action. And so it does make a really cool space. So thank you, Dina, for bringing that up. All right. Number five. You ready? Yeah, let's do it. Overcomplicating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when it comes to physicians, here's what we do. If we don't know how to do something, we assume it's got to be hard. It can't be simple. It can't be easy. It can't be doable. Maybe it's not for us. It's got to be like neurosurgery or something. Like the freaking brachial plexus or something. (laughs) Oh, remember dissecting that out? That was a hot mess. Right. So we naturally overcomplicate and then we get overwhelmed and then we're stuck and we sit in confusion and we look around and we see what somebody else is doing and that invites in comparison and judgment. And we start hustling because it must be complicated rather than slowing down and saying, wait a second, what if it were simple? What would it look like? Oh my God. So the two questions in my business that I ask myself, and whenever we have team meetings and we're talking about a project or like we're not sure on a direction where to go, they know because I'll hold up two fingers and they'll know I'm getting ready to say the two questions. So the first question is, how can we make this easier? And the second question is, what would a million dollar business do? What would what would Amazon do in this situation? And since we've started to ask those questions, how can we make it easier? It has really, really clarified things. Instead of like, okay, I'll stay up late tonight and I'll try to get this done after the kids go to bed. It's like, no, we're just going to find somebody and hire them. Or you know what would be easier? Let's just move the deadline back two weeks. Like nobody's going to know. We can do that. I think it's a question that every person needs to ask. How can we make this easier? And if it involves money or it involves putting yourself out there or something else like kind of uncomfortable, then like leaning into that, leaning into like, oh, it's going to cost me $200 to get a film editor for this. And then you evaluate, is $200 and two hours of their time worth me sitting around beating my head on my desk for 10 hours trying to figure out this stupid thing? Yeah. That's an easy decision. Right. So uh, I use the question, what's the price of freedom? Ooh, I like that. And if the price of freedom is $200, like done. Because we make thousands of decisions as an entrepreneur. And if you if you overcomplicate each one, your business will never get off the ground. Should I use this calendar system or this one? But this one's got these different features. And this one, I can do this. It's like, it doesn't matter. Pick one, move forward. 
should I get a bank account here or there or there? It doesn't matter. Pick one, move forward. So really just simplifying it and moving forward so that you're continuing to walk closer to that person you serve with the problem that they want to solve and your product or service that can help them. And I say that over and over intentionally to really ingrain the whole reason for doing this is to help somebody. Yeah. Oh, you're so right. I love that question. What is the price of freedom? And it's so true. Like I have people all the time ask me questions about maybe different client management systems that I'm using or different email stuff or different contractors. And you know what? You're so right. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. It's does the job get done? Does it clearly communicate what we offer and how we help people? And that could be Debsado or that could be Asana. That could be MailChimp or that could be ConvertKit. That could be Calendly or, you know, whatever other kind of schedule. Like there is a million out there. And I think that you're so right that that's a stumbling block for so many people. It's like, just pick something. Because honestly, in a couple of years, you're probably going to change it anyway, because you're going to grow and you're going to outgrow it and you're going to need something new. And it's not going to matter. It's not going to matter. There is no evidence-based decision-making for it for the choices that we make as an entrepreneur. And there's also no right answer. So there's no test we submit, somebody grades it and they tell us we did it right. We have to learn how to tell ourselves we did it right. Yeah, That was right. With what I know today, the decision I made, that is right. Is it right next week, next month, next year? Don't know, not there yet. So I'm working with a physician on a really cool thing, which is opening a very innovative practice. It's not currently being done. And the idea is so fun. It's going to serve people so incredibly well. And it seems overwhelming because it's not being done. There's no framework to draw on. It's bringing together a whole collection of skills and interests and training, packaging it up. And what happened was when we sat down and we broke it up into pieces, what are the basic absolute minimum things that we need? Then all of a sudden you could start to see it and see the person that she's going to serve and see the way that she's going to serve them. So breaking it up into pieces, and then it became clear which piece needs to come first, which piece needs to come next. How do we now have this roadmap to move forward? Not how, but we created the roadmap to move forward. And it's really beautiful. You know, because it's not failure. It's all feedback at this point when it comes to entrepreneurship. It's all feedback. You you can't look at anything. Because I would say some of the things that were my greatest failures were actually places where I learned a lot and led to my quote-unquote success in the future. So it's all feedback. Well, Dr. Nina George, thank you for coming on this episode with me, for sparring back and forth and throwing us these five stumbling blocks. I love them. I wrote them down. We'll put them in the show notes. If people are interested, like, that Tina George, she got her shit together. If they want to come over and hang out with you, where do they need to go? There's a couple of places. One, (laughs) I just love you. (laughs) You do have your shit together. Uh, So georgemdcoaching.com is my website. Create an Unstoppable Life is the podcast. Instagram, Dina George MD. But truly the place to find me is anywhere that that Erin is. That's where I want to (laughs) be. As her raving fan. (laughs) I love it. And if you didn't know this, Dina has actually helped me with some of my website stuff. So I am not only a friend and a colleague, I am a client of hers. And so she can be my raving fan because we are everything to each other. Dina, thank you so much for coming today. It has been my absolute pleasure to have you. 
It's an honor to be here. Thank you. many good takeaways for my conversation with Dr. Dina George. I'm telling you guys, she's the real deal. She is the yin to my yang, where she's that very calm energy. Like I could almost feel my pulse rate lowering as we talked to her. And I could see hers raising as she talked to me. (laughs) So many good bites that we'll have to get out of that. And I just want to encourage you in the kick of encouragement today is as she was pointing out the five most common stumbling blocks that she sees in physicians, this doesn't mean that you're doing anything wrong. It's just identifying those patterns that show up that keep you small and keep you from building the business and the life that you really, really want. So remember, there are no right answers. There really aren't. You just start and you figure out and you get feedback and you pivot and you change and you keep moving forward. But you get nowhere if you don't even start the shitty first draft. So start, my friend, and it makes it so much easier when you can ally with people who've been there before. So go hang out with Dina. Come hang out with me. You can get that in the badass Slack group. The link is in the show notes. If you're a coach or you're interested in coaching, you can get that from Physician Coaching Alliance, also in the show notes, also Aaron Wiseman, also all the sass. Because listen, you don't have to do this alone. You do not have to struggle at your home office or in your business by yourself and thinking it's just you. We've all been there and together we can get further. All right, friends. Well, I appreciate it. One more shout out that I got to give to our sponsor today from the Doctors Podcast Network is don't forget to reach out to Panacea Financial for your banking needs as a physician because they are built by physicians. Panacea's PRN personal loan was designed specifically for physicians and physicians in training. Go to panaceafinancial.com and open your new account today. Panacea Financial is a division of Primus, a member FDIC. All right. Well, don't forget, go outside, play, have fun, live your life. Because remember, your life, your calling, your pulse matters. See ya. See ya.